You are listening to the sassiest podcast in the world. Born in the Nordics, democratizing B2B SaaS knowledge everywhere. Hi, I'm Daniel. And I'm Thomas. And we are experienced SaaS professionals that are curious about how other successful SaaS companies go to market, scale, build winning teams and great products. Join us on our journey as we speak to SaaS leaders trying to get hold of their secret sauce. And today's guest is Ramli John, the content director at AppQs and the author of Product-Led Onboarding. How do we give the invited user a great experience versus somebody who is signing up from the website? And I think it's it's important to get the invited user a great experience as the primary um, user who signed up first. Happy New Year, everyone, and welcome back to the SASIS podcast. I hope that you're looking forward to a new prosperous year here with us in the SASIS podcast. So how are you, Daniel? Very good. Thank you. Thank you for asking. I'm excited to be back here again. Uh, I come back from uh, a very peaceful and restful holiday season. I had my uh, wife's family here, so the sister and brother was here from the US, which was you know, it's always fun. The house was full. Uh, Chris, if you're listening to this, my brother-in-law, I destroyed him in table tennis multiple times every day. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I feel I'm coming into this new year as a winner. How, how was your Christmas holiday, Thomas, and New Year's? Oh, it was good. Uh, peace and quiet uh, with the closest family here in Lund. We don't travel, but we enjoy both the Swedish tradition and then I have an Irish brother-in-law, so we get the turkey also oh. on Anandar. What's it called in in English? The day after the Christmas day. Well, let's call it that. It's probably called something else. Okay, that's 26th of December. That is, and then Boxing Day. Okay, cool. And then also, I had the pleasure of spending some time in the pinball halls as well. We there was a, um, a tournament up in a barn uh, in Jungbehead, southern Sweden, here the 30th and. Um, yeah, also a great way to end the year. And actually, I'm going up to Gothenburg in just a few days playing another tournament. So I feel we I, like we hear a lot about these tournaments, but you gotta you gotta document it. You gotta like start <laughs> sharing, man. Some pictures, some videos. I don't know if that's for LinkedIn. That's for for everything. Like anybody that cares, they will enjoy it. The ones that don't care, well, so be it. Yeah. But no, all all jokes aside, it's you know, 2023 was a fantastic year in all kinds of ways and I, I know we've said it so many times you know we, we're so excited to do this together with you guys thank you so much for propelling this organization and this community to what it is and we feel that I know it's going to sound like a cliche but we're only getting started and actually today well yesterday technically was our third year anniversary this is the third year or the beginning of our third year that we're actually doing this full-time it's been quite a crazy ride thomas right absolutely and there's so much to look forward to in 2024 as well you know we we are we have just put together the groups for the ceo and the executive network um if you want to be a part of it you know the time has run out but if you can be really quick you can reach out at contact at sassiest.com and let's see if we can cram you in somewhere if there's an opening i'm weak for i'm weak for smileys if you put a <laughs> smiley in there or heart or something yeah. anything's possible sure <laughs> so we're looking forward to kick off those networks uh, we are in full planning for sassiest 2024 in mid-april hope to see you there and well, a lot of other exciting stuff, uh, meetups around here in, in the Nordics and the Baltics and the, the Benelux and uh, yeah, lots of fun stuff. Definitely. And you know what? I'm excited about one thing in particular here that's like very close in the future. You might remember that we did a survey here to, you know, get the all the benchmark numbers your way, the sassiest benchmark report 2024. That's coming out very soon now. So, like, hold on tight. Oh, yeah. Because very soon here in January, you'll be able to see all the numbers, all the reports, see how you stack up to, like, because one of the things we all ask ourselves, am I performing good? Is my organization efficient enough? And one way to double check this or sense check here is to compare with pairs, with peers. (laughs) (laughs) Pairs, peers. And one way to to compare is, of course, to compare with your peers, to see companies with my sales motion, at my ARL level, at my stage of funding, 
how efficient are they? What is their burn rate? You know, what is their churn rate when it comes to staff? Like how happy are employees over there? So if you want to check these things, then, you know, watch us because it's coming out soon. Now we have onboarded you a little bit to 2024 and let's continue with some product-led onboarding. Here we go. Today, we are super happy to have Ramli John, the content director at AppQs and the author of Product-Led Onboarding here as a guest in the Sassiest Podcast. Warm welcome to you, Ramli. Thomas, Daniel, thank you so much for the invite. I really do appreciate it. Super excited. Uh, it's great to have you here now. And we, we feel like really excited that we're continuing on the PLG exercise. We had your buddy here on the podcast, <laughs> Wes, just you know not too long ago. And we feel like we got to continue digging into PLG here. So really excited to have you here. If there's anybody out there that's into the PLG exercise and world and doesn't know of you, tell them the brief story. Who's Ramley? Yeah, Ramley is, uh, yeah, I've worked in SaaS for many years, over 10 years, but specifically more in, in B2B SaaS. Uh, and if people don't know, I'm, I, you know, I got really into onboarding at some point just because I saw how important, we can talk a little bit more about that. Like onboarding is like one of the most important parts of uh, any kind of SaaS companies because it leads to retention, revenue expansion higher close rate like all that stuff that that's valuable and i i got so obsessed with it i worked with companies like mixpanel and microsoft and out systems with west bush when we were working together and i ended up writing product-led onboarding in uh under west uh when he when i was working at product-led and that whole book is around how important that is and i think that in the product-led growth space or even maybe in the SaaS space that's what i'm known for i'm now currently content director at AppKeys where i create a lot of like educational content and taught leadership on product-led growth and onboarding and activation uh, for different types of companies, including SaaS. Okay, cool. So short about AppQs, uh, what do you guys do and who's your ideal customer? Yeah, so AppQs is like a, a no-code tool to help people build onboarding and product experiences. It could be like in-app messages like product tours or slide outs or uh, modals or uh, we also now work with mobile so like if, if people have mobile apps you can get like messages without having to know any code uh, that really empowers non-technical teams to uh, to build those experiences you know when people are giving tours to their product they don't have to ask their developers to bother them and like hey can you do this and make this change in this copy uh, we enable like customer success or product marketers or even product managers without code who doesn't know how to code to um, deploy those uh, really on-brand stuff. So that's what AppQs does. All right, very, very cool. And what type of customers do you guys predominantly help? Is there some names you can drop here? Yeah, um, companies like Lyft yeah. is one of them. In the SaaS space, more so like ProfitWell that was acquired by Paddle. Yeah. Hotjar is also a customer. We're also a customer of Hotjar. Yeah. Clavio, I think is one. Uh, don't quote me in that, but uh, I think those are big ones that that I that I can name. Full Story uh, is also a customer, I think, if I recall. In another tool, uh, shoot, a Stripe or the other one. So they are some pretty big companies that are using it, maybe for external tools or maybe internal tools that you use that they want to onboard their their own uh, employees. Gotcha. Okay. Very cool. Very cool. Well, uh, many household names, and I think we should just jump right into it, the main topic of the day, which is obviously product-led onboarding. And we have like tons of questions from you, but probably a good way to start is by defining at least from your perspective, what is product-led onboarding? What does that mean? Yeah, product-led onboarding could be also called as self-serve onboarding. The idea is that just like product-led growth, what drives growth, what drives like expansion and conversion is the product itself. In this case, instead of like traditionally before, I'm sure Wes got into this, you know, before we got into uh, the whole product-led space, the way that you onboard somebody to a product you jump on a call, right. <laughs> you give them a call, you walk them through the product step by step because it's hard. Like think about like IBM mainframes. If, if you need somebody to learn how to use IBM, uh, a, a really big software, you would have to walk them through that specifically. The question is that as you scale, it gets harder. You need to hire more customer success managers and onboarding managers. And product-led onboarding is about using the product itself uh, in-app to really guide people through it. So Another term that is often used for it is self-serve onboarding. So you're, you're just letting the users guide themselves through it. 
uh, and soft serve learning essentially. All right, but but this operation starts when you have bought the product, you start using it. So it's it's not before the purchase. Uh, it could be both. Like there are some situations where you know you uh, somebody purchases it. Uh, and you onboard them, onboard them throughout the thing, and uh, and then they guide themselves through uh, to to a certain point, or it can be also happen. So the purchase could be uh, irrespective of when they 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 experience this product like onboarding. Okay. So I have a question for you here. Then, based on your definition description, at least in my world, unless I misinterpreted something, how you sell your product is not what defines if product on product led onboarding if it's right or not. So it's not just for PLG companies, it could also be for a sales or market led company. If even if you sell enterprise solutions, you could still do with product led onboarding. Did I get that right? That is totally yeah, that's totally true. I I mean, it not everybody uh, you know, if you think about your your customer base, right. um there will be some customers that are VIPs. Those are the ones you want like handhold. Yeah. But there will be some customers who are at a certain like MRR or like ARR point where you know it, it, the economics doesn't make sense for you to dedicate a whole customer success or a manager or onboarding manager to go through that. But even even for uh, um, an enterprise customer, some people just want to learn on their own. Like for me to like jump on a call with you, especially like right now we're in a different time zone. I'm based out of Canada. You're based out of. Imagine if you have customers saving serving out of Asia. Right, right. That's like a twelve-hour difference. If we're on a, a call right now with them, it's ten eleven p.m. And I think if if your company serves a global uh, customer base, it does have that advantage of you're you're helping people to learn on their own. And that's giving them the autonomy to actually just um, teach themselves how to use the tool. I mean, I, I think it's so important that you say that, like, you know, especially one of us on this call here, Thomas, <laughs> <laughs> like almost refused to be guided mm. because like when, you, depending on what software it is, like some people, you just need to give it to them. Right. And then they need to try it themselves and figure it out because they are that advanced or skillful. They've been doing it for, for many years. Maybe they use a competitive solution. And it's almost counterintuitive or counterproductive if you tell those type of mm. people like, uh, you need to book a call with me. I'm going to sit you through this. Thomas, does it rub you the wrong way when people do that to you? Depends on. I mean, if you have a, a really skilled people, a person on the other side that can show you, you know, the extras. The um, I mean, you don't want to have the, the basics, right? But if you can get the extra nuggets, and maybe that should come at a later stage, perhaps. Yeah. But I don't know, Daniel. Do you? Are you the one that are reading the manuals when you buy some stuff for your home? <laughs> I I never read manuals, uh, which pisses off a lot of people in my house here because, like, <laughs> same here. You know, uh, uh, but. Um, no, I think I, I want to, because I, I imagine that it's faster for me to give it a go with everything we do, with everything we buy and acquire. And then I'm not uh, in any way ignorant to the fact that there's a lot of things I don't know. But then I'd l rather call somebody and be like, hey, I figured out one, two, three. I can't get four and five and six to work out. How do I do? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So Remley, what key strategies differentiate effective product-led onboarding from traditional methods, would you say? From traditional methods? I think you mentioned one thing very important there. I think people have different tastes. The question that I like to bring up to people is, you know, in here we have I IKEA. I'm sure there's IKEA. Well, is it, based, is it a base out of Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I apologize. Heard of them. Yeah. <laughs> we invented IKEA. Yeah. <laughs> you know, when IKEA has this, like, arrows on the floor. Yeah. And it tells you, like, around the... Yeah, so people know this. There's actually two types of shoppers. I'm one of the shopper where like I search everything online. What I need to get, I need to get that table. I don't follow that path. <laughs> like, like, are you guys the same? Do you follow the path? Are you path followers? No, I'm a shortcut guy. Shortcut guy. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. Like, I go, I go there. This might be sound sound horrible, but I go there always with my wife, mm. and we go through the entire store every time. Is it because of your wife, or is it because of you? It, it's because of her. Because mm. it's like, oh, I need a cutting board. I need this. Like, she she has planned it out, but we go the mm. the dotted line. I hang out in the restaurant area. Yeah, exactly. Shortcut <laughs> to the restaurant, right? Yeah. And I think that's. I feel like that's a perfect, and my wife's the same, Joanna. She like whenever I go there, it's like I need it. I'll be there five minutes, but she goes there three hours. I'm yeah. like, I just need to get out. Yeah. <laughs> and I feel like that's the first step to figuring out your product onboarding. It's like, what type of user do you have? Do you have? 
I call them investigators, like my wife, who will like touch everything, feel it, look at it, look at the price, walk away, and then go back around and like just follow the whole path. Or are you more, and I call them explorers, where they actually just want to explore on their own. They just want to jump in and in and out. And I think that kind of helps you really get to know your users. Like, what would they prefer? And it, I think that is the first step. And that's the reason why when people think about onboarding, they're like, don't give me a tour. <laughs> it's like, tour sucks. It's because they haven't learned. That you, there are certain types of users who love that tour. There are certain types of users who actually hate it there the explorers would prefer more uh um you know like a an embedded experience that is not interrupted yeah. and often what i call that is you know typically most developers like like this where they'll they'll like to be just give me the documents i'll read it and then i'll call you if i need you versus like typically investigators are more like marketers if you think of a lot of marketing tools they will actually work walk you through stuff because they want they know that those marketers are are more they want that guided experience like they'd rather follow the path a little bit because they don't have a lot of time and i think that's really the first mistake and also the first step to building a product-led onboarding is get to know your users what is their preference how do they like to learn do they like to Watch a video because not everybody loves video. Mm. Um, like some people just want, give me the text so I can scheme, uh, scan through it versus people love maybe some people, some type of users want to watch that video to look at the people. Yeah. Um, do they prefer tours? Do they prefer other things? Do they not prefer that? And I think getting to know that and experimenting and getting to know, um, you know, jumping on uh, user interviews and asking them through surveys and like, doing experiments to see if tours work or not can really help you kind of hone in what works and what doesn't yeah. for your particular type of user and the experience that you want. Yeah, so that was my question. I mean, uh, how how do you go about this when, when someone, you know, enters uh, your product? Do you need to ask a lot of questions in order to place them in the correct bucket if they're going to have the tour or not? Or or is, it, is there any best practices there? Yeah, one thing I really love... Uh, seeing is you know when there's a welcome screen like and they just ask straight up like um it's like almost like i choose your own adventure like like welcome now to get started mm -hmm. do you want to watch a video do you want to do a quick tour or do you just want to jump in and i think that typically helps you figure out um, which one is like most picked and once you figure that out that helps you figure like kind of craft and optimize that one that is most most chosen over other ones mm. Uh, I think that's that would be my approach. Just the a simple question of like, welcome, uh, now get started. Uh, and then just give them the option straight up. And I find that giving them the option to do that, the product tour completion rate is a lot higher because people have opted in to the tour rather than like interrupted you. You know, like imagine going to Ikea and somebody like, hey, Thomas, hey, Daniel, can I show you around? And they just start dragging you without your permission. Right. That, I would be like, Get your hands off me, dude. <laughs> yeah, that, that's my experience. Uh, I won't say who's dragging me around, but uh. oh man, I mean it's that's it's interesting what you say. And is it possible to do it maybe even one step further? I don't know if you know. I guess technically it should be possible at least. I don't know if people use it in practice. Rather than you asking me like, "Hey, do you want to see a video or read the guide or whatever?" Are there some companies that start by defining a use case? Meaning like, hey, you enter this platform. Do you want to start a campaign now or do you want to upload uh, users or whatever it is? That's definitely where I would start as well. I think before you even like figure that out, a, a question I love seeing in experiences, and I see this at Miro, at Canva, I, this is something we're trying to implement apps as well, is just ask them this specific use case. Like, what is your goal today? Exactly. Are you here to, if especially if it's an email marketing tool like ConvertKit or MailChimp, are you here to... You mentioned it, uh, Daniel. Like, are you here to make money with your list, or are you here to grow your business and uh, grow your list so that you can grow your side income or or whatever? Like, it's like kind of digging into specifically why did you sign up today, and how can we help you do that, uh, and how can we show you the right kind of features um, that you need to know to achieve those goals, so that you don't need you might not need to know how our API works or how you, you know, how our landing pages work. If you're trying to grow your list, right. Um, then maybe you do need to know how to uh, set up your landing page so that you can create like, you know, um, a one page sign up form for your newsletter 
versus somebody who already has a list. How do you monetize that? So it's more about creating offers for that specific list. Exactly, because I'm, I'm, I guess, again, using Thomas and myself as an example, when we jumped on ConvertKit the first time, mm. you know, Thomas did the heavy work figuring out like, how do we connect this to other platforms, mm. the Zapier integrations and so on. So if there would be an onboarding, he would be, I guess, more keen and interested in that exercise. Once I got into the platform, mine was much more, call it uh, GTM or commercial driven. I didn't care about the connections because I was hoping Thomas figured those out. <laughs> what I cared about is like, how do we in the fastest possible way, you know, compile an email and get that out? Mm. That was what I was interested in, and make sure that maybe I somehow split the list and the, the, who should receive this and who should not. And that's, I think that's another important thing is like how you build that experience is like, this two different you, you're the gtm you're more from the go-to-market approach versus thomas more from the technical approach i think knowing who is signing up is also super important i think you you know if somebody's signing up you know it's a little bit more technical and asking the question what is your function um could be important as well as like who's inviting who dif- dif- creating a different experience for the invited user versus the primary user could be also uh valuable for certain types of products where a lot of SaaS companies where it's more val- the the product becomes more valuable as you invite more people from the same team. Yeah, and I think that's like uh, an experience that is often forgotten, and it's something that we're working on as well. I'm saying this from experience because like these are some of the challenges we're facing right now. Like, yeah. how do we give the invited user a great experience versus somebody who is signing up from the website? And I think it's as important to get the invited user a great experience as the primary um, user who signed up first. Yeah, exactly. So t- tell us from your perspective, and feel free to use a you know a company, a real example if you have that. Like, what are some of the key components of a great product-led onboarding program or structure? Yeah. I, uh, Typically, when I you know, so I'll, I'll tell you one of my favorite ones. I think one of my favorite ones is has got to be Miro. Like Miro is this collaborative tool. People sign up for it. They can create like workshopping stuff and drag and drop and imaging and and things like that. They can drop post-it notes that's virtual. When you sign up for it, this is some of the stuff we already talked about. Like they ask you straight up what the question, like what are you here today? What are you here for today? And some of the options are, I'm here for strategy and planning for 2024, or I'm here to do a workshop for my course. I'm here to do this. As soon as you sign up for it, they give you the option and they actually, as soon as soon as you pick one, they, they show you, like, let's say you choose strategy and planning. They give you all the templates to help you do strategy and planning. Are you, do, are you doing uh, pros and cons lists? Are you here to do a SWOT analysis? Are you, and they give you all these templates based on what you've chosen already. And as soon as you get in, they start giving you like a, some subtle hints, like uh, just a very three-step product or essentially pointing you around. Here's where you drag and drop like a post-it note. Here's where you invite your users. Here's what you need to do to be successful at running a strategy and planning process for your team and i think that's really like very very use case driven like what we talked about very goal driven and very action oriented versus uh what we see with some where like hey welcome to our product here's some buttons here's where you add this here's where you add no they were like strategy and planning give me the templates let me know how to invite my 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 team let me know how to use the post-it notes so that I can teach them how to use this tool so that we can run our strategy and planning meeting for 2024. And I that's like a perfect example because it it really digs in. I'm sure Wes talked about it, uh, this and other people here uh, in the show about like how it's really digging into like the jobs to be done. Like what is the use case? What is the primary goal of that user uh, versus like more of uh, – Let's just point out everything versus this is more like, let's get you to achieve what you want, what you think is success right now as quickly as possible without any pointing out where you add your colors, where where do you customize your, your profile image or like all of that stuff is something that could be delayed much later down the road. All right. So uh, we have mentioned some examples now where you sort of identify your goal with using the product in the beginning or you say yeah if you want to sh- see a video or not or if you want to have a guided tour but throughout the 
the onboarding journey, which you know can be quite long, I guess, in, in some cases, is there other places where you have this two-way interaction, or is it more like you 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 stated in the beginning your intention, and then you get sort of um, yeah a certain path to walk, or is it common, or should you have other moments where you interact with the user? The product itself, how they interact with the user itself? Yeah, if you should get input from the user at multiple uh, stages, or it's uh, does it get too invasive if you suddenly you know ask, uh, all right, what do you want to do now, or what uh, what are your experience so far, or I don't know what. Yeah, I think asking like what I experienced so far. The other approach that I really love, and uh, you're asking about like post sign up inputs. Yeah, is I like to. Uh, a great experience also, and this is something we're experimenting with AppKeys, where we're thinking of uh, onboarding as a video game. You know, have you ever, what is your, do you, do you guys used to play video games like Super Mario or? Yeah, a little bit. Do you have a favorite video game? Yeah. I think I know where you're you're going with this one. Commando on Commodore 64, pure. <laughs> I like it. I All right. It's very specific. No, it's good, right? Like it could be like a racing game, right? Yeah. And in a lot of video games, and this, I think Daniel, you're getting to it, is they give you levels. They give you stages where they don't want to give you like the hardest level up front. And I think that's an important thing where maybe level one for that person who signed up for Miro is strategy and planning. But now they're like ready to explore level two where they want to use it for other things. And I think asking for input there and then it's like, okay, you've done this. Here's what else you can do, right? And this is what else you can do. And the Canva, which is like this uh, easy way to create designs and, and, and business cards and logos and Instagram posts. As soon as you download your first image, it actually does something like that where they ask you, hey, uh, you've done this, do you want to try Canva Pro? Mm. And Canva Pro allows you to upload this directly to Instagram or do you want to do another design for your Instagram? And I think that's giving them the option as to like what is the next level look like and building what that level um, potentially could look like for them so they're giving them more of a choose adventure. I think that's a great way to get more inputs as to as soon as they've gotten to a certain point. Yeah. How do you point them to the next thing? Because when you don't have that, people might like, oh, okay, I'm done. Let me get out of here. Yeah, and now you mentioned the example with Canva uh, where they use that those kind of things to do the upsell as well. So is upselling a part of product-led onboarding or is that... A separate thing, would you say? I would say I think it's an important part to the journey of the user, especially to product-led onboarding, knowing when to ask and how, like, the, a lot of the things around, like, your go-to-market approach uh, it applies here. For example, like, if there's this whole thing that I'm sure Kyle Poy, um talks up a lot about around reverse uh, free trials, yeah. where you start them on the premium plan, and then you, after a certain period, kind of... Uh, de demote it's such a bad word you yeah, know? Exactly. <laughs> put them to the free plan right right you're like lowering their plan itself they were from premium to free and i think that's a great example of where your onboarding is now affected because now you're onboarding you want to onboard them to premium futures because in that case when they go to the free they'll miss it and i think in canvas and uh, canvas example they don't have a reverse free trial they went from free and pushing you to to trial premium. In that case, like how do you introduce uh, a moment in that product led onboarding journey so that they are like, okay, I understand the value product of, of that of that premium plan. And in this case, when I when you try uh, creating Instagram posts with Canva, they're like, hey, try Canva Pro for free uh, for the next thirty days, and here's the value. You can upload directly to Instagram, so you don't have to download it on your laptop, upload it to your phone and then bring it to Instagram. That's three extra steps that you need to take versus for the next 30 days, you can just upload it directly to Instagram yeah. and then you don't have to take this multiple steps. I think that's an, definitely an important part, knowing what your go-to-market approach as well as how you're going to ask um, people to convert and, and become a paying customer. Okay, cool. So let's say you do this project, you set up your plan, how to do the product-led onboarding, you implement it, you have everything in place, you have the nice software, and then... How do you sort of keep track and measure and follow up on your solution 
from there on. Yeah. And what do you look at? Any KPIs in particular? What I really look at is like all the steps that a user has to take. What are uh, how many people are completing each step of it? So in this case, let's say for Canva, they have five steps. They have to pick a template, um, customize the template. They have to download the template. Okay, let's say they have three steps, right? I would look at all three of them to figure out exactly how many people are picking a template, how many people are, um, uh, you know, are customizing a template, and how many people are downloading a specific template. And based on that, you can actually see where people are dropping off. I think that's the things that I would look on a week-to-week basis, even a cohort-to-cohort basis, so that if I do make changes to the experience, let's say uh, to the product-led onboarding experience uh, this week, I can see for that cohort of users, are they getting past that that um, that drop-off point versus my previous cohorts that I, I've seen at? So that's I think that it would look like a spreadsheet or a, a table or a matrix where you would be tracking those uh, three milestones on a week-to-week basis to make sure that there are some improvements or whether it's not. Obviously, you want to also be looking at free-to-paid, especially I think product-led onboarding that doesn't convert is not very it's it's not effective you you've you, at the end of the day you gotta close you got you gotta help close like there's part part of product led onboarding is making sure that those free users see value and actually end up becoming a paying customer so tracking those free to paid conversion rate for for those users are super important as well are you building a SaaS business? Achieving ISO 27001 or SOC 2 compliance can help you win bigger deals, enter new markets, and deepen trust with your customers. But it can also cost you real time and money. Vanta automates up to 90% of the work needed to get and stay compliant. Get audit ready in weeks instead of months and save up to 85% of associated cost. Over 6,000 fast-growing companies use Vanta to manage risk and prove security in real time. Sassiest listeners get 20% off Vanta at Vanta.com slash Sassiest. That's V-A-N-T-A dot com slash Sassiest. Okay, and I'm curious, you probably have seen a lot of examples. So we talked uh, about the things you need to do, you need to get right and so on. When you bump into customers, no need to mention any names, that have tried this but have failed miserably or failed a little bit. Like, why is that? Is there a common reason why some people fail? fail with their product-led onboarding? Yeah, that's a good question. I think there's two reasons why. The first one I hear commonly is that, and this is something we've already talked about, is like, Dave, uh, I can I can bring up an example because I've had them on a podcast that I have. Uh, it is, uh, this is with Trainual. They help employees, they help uh, managers train their employees. And one of the things they tried was they tried like, okay, we're targeting busy em- employers, busy um, entrepreneurs who need to train their employees. They tried a like a like a seven step pro- um, product tour because they think they're too busy. They just want to walk through, and they it didn't if it didn't work. It didn't lift any kind of metrics. It didn't raise their activation rate, which is to get somebody actually to invite an employee to train. Yeah. And they try something else. They remove the product tour and they, they use hotspots. Hotspots are these things where you might have signed up for a product like Miro or something else where like it's a blinking cursor or like, you know, click here. Right. And then when you click on it, for them, they popped up a video. And the video was a person. It was like 30 seconds. They explained what that does. They saw like a 26% increase in their activation rate just from switching from product tours to more of a uninterrupted experience. I think that's... One example is you, you know experimenting with um, interruptive versus uninterruptive. Um, you might might figure that out. So that's something that 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 is a common, uh, maybe not mistake, but more so uh, uh, an experiment that you need to try. The second thing that I often find, and this is something that has shifted with the economy, where you know a lot of a lot of people has like gone all in on product led onboarding. Versus, and that's what we have done at AppKeys where we're like, oh, let's just do self-serve. But I find like certain types of product actually require a conversation with somebody from the team. For example, for us at AppKeys, we find that um, if if a, if they talk to a, a, a salesperson or a customer success manager in their trial, their conversion rate uh, is like five times more likely to, to become a paying customer. And so now we're thinking about how do we, how do we get them to a point where I think you mentioned this, uh, Daniel, where like get them to like figure out step one, two, and three, but 
at some point they need help. So then they call somebody or jump on a call to get help for step four and five. And asking that at the right time is like super critical. We're still experimenting with ours. Our hypothesis is that when they've achieved like uh like they they've completed step three, let's say in this example, right? How do we congratulate them and invite them to to learn more? Yeah, and that's something that we're also we're, still, we're I don't have full data yet as well, but I think that's a uh, I call I call it the su- success and next strategy. Where like how do we congratulate you and then here's the next step? Exactly. And I've seen a lot of companies do this really well, like. Canva does it. We're like, oh, Randley, you've downloaded five templates or um, designs. Here's a here's a logo, or here here here's a badge that you can share on social. And next step, why don't you keep going? And here's a bunch of templates that you can use again. So I think that's something that we're uh, trying to implement for our own product. All right. So who owns this uh, product-led onboarding process or operation internally at the B two B SaaS company? Yeah, which I think it really. It depends on the product. So I can tell you at AppUse right now, the product-led onboarding experience is actually owned by marketing, which is like super weird. Okay. <laughs> it went, but it's changed from product team to customer success team. And now it's ended up to the marketing team because our director of growth, Meg uh, Gao, is so focused on her KPIs improving free-to-paid conversion. That's what she's really focused on. So our, mar- uh, our marketing slash growth team is in charge of that. But I've heard from companies that are more user-driven, and mind you, we're B2B SaaS, uh, and we're at a certain price point, like $500 or more dollars per month. But a smaller price point, like let's say Grammarly or Duolingo, I can imagine it's more their product team because they're really like designing that experience. And another company, uh, Teamwork, uh, not Teamwork, uh, SproutSocial.com, it was actually their customer success team that owned onboarding. So I think it it first of all depends on who is closest to the 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 customer as well as who is uh you know who who what is your go to market approach where at a certain price point you probably want um a different team uh, handling it versus another one. Okay, uh really exciting to to hear you say all these things and I I think I've definitely learned a few things over the past half hour here. So if you would be to summarize this, and let's imagine that there's a bunch of folks here listening in and thinking like, I need to either design our initial product-led onboarding program, or I need to refine the one we have. What are the three tips you'd give those people? Three tips. Okay. <laughs> three tips. I think first first thing is become crystal clear. Be crystal clear on why your users are signing up? I think people often don't understand that. And a great tip for this is an easy way is we I've seen this done actually. I've I learned this from Andrew Kaplan who led growth at Wistia and Postscript. Is just do a little uh, um, open ended survey right in the product. It could be like it just a pop up on the slide. Hey, what did you sign up for our product today? Uh, and you know people are like oh nobody's gonna answer that. But he found that. Uh, enough people answer it to the point where he can categorize what are the top common reasons why people signing up. I think that's really important because now you know what people are signing up for and you can guide them what we've talked about in the in the past here. I think the second thing that's super important is not just knowing why they sign up, but also really knowing like and experimenting uh, all the time with different types of experiences for your for your users. Like what we what um what I mentioned here is that certain users prefer that hand holding. Some some users don't, and your users can change, and the market can change, and that's what happened to the economy. Where like before, people just want to self serve, but now like people are like worried about their jobs. They just want to see the value really quickly, so they want to jump on that call per uh, per se. So I I think the second thing is really important to experiment because. Um, things can change, new features come out, and I think that's super important. I think that ties to the third tip that I have is that another mistake that I, I see here is like onboarding is this big project that needs to be overhauled around their product. And y- maybe you're restarting from scratch or you're you're building on what you have right now, but it really can't just be like a once a year project. It needs to be somebody really needs to own it to continuously improve it because if not, like what we've just what I've just mentioned, 
things move fast. Like what what the SaaS economy or what SaaS looks like like six months ago is definitely not what it looks like now, especially with uh, things happening. Um, you know, with we were just talking about things happening with VCs and the economy and things like that. It needs to be something that is some uh, somebody needs to own to continuously improve. So I think those are three things that I would uh, leave for people tuning in. Good tips. Yeah, and, and you mentioned times are changing and so on. And what do you see when it comes to project onboarding for the next, I don't know, 12, 18 months or so? 12, 18 months. Okay, that's a short time frame. <laughs> I think in the shorter term, people are more leaning towards, especially teams, more away from product-led onboarding and more towards hybrid. This is what we've seen for us at AppCuse. We're like, it used to be like, oh, whole self-serve. But now, like, how do we introduce a sales team? How do we introduce customer success team uh, so that there's a person who, at a certain point, a certain segment, would reach out to us? That's a f- that's one. I think the second thing, I have yet to... I've seen certain tools use AI to write, like, product tours and stuff like that. But I feel like there's a, a higher level form of AI where it would predict exactly this user prefers tours versus that just based on how they surf they um, looked at your site so it's like kind of trying to match the experience to the user so it'll be like a hyper personalization of the experience based on user patterns on what they've done before in the past maybe they're more clickers and they will see a more clicker type onboarding experience versus somebody who just went to the pricing page, went here, then you in that case they probably want a more hand um hands-off approach. So I have yet to see that. I think that that will be the next level where it predicts what type of user you have and it'll show exactly based on that. It's a cool thought because then you can imagine that if I fetch some first party data from this person, like I know you know your role and your use case and so on, maybe I can match that with other people that have went through the tour that had similar roles, similar use case, and I can see which one of those that already went through this exercise is converted the most. What did we put those through? Aha, program B or whatever it is. Exactly. Let's put this person yeah. through program B as well. Yeah, like show them different experiences. And I think Google's done this with ads where like just give us your images, your your headline, your text, and they'll figure it out programmatically like what is the perfect combination for certain types of users. That would be cool where you just plug in all the information you need and it will just build that experience for the users so that no matter if they're investigator explorer or they they like videos versus they like tours versus they like this, maybe they want this use case. Yeah. It would build that experience on the fly for them versus like uh, yeah. exciting times ahead. It is. So obviously you're you're working on a bunch of new stuff here. Like uh, we heard through the grapevine here, you you're working on uh, second edition of a, of a book here. T- tell us more. Like, what, what's ahead of you here? Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I'm working on a second edition of product led onboarding. Why is the <laughs> other one outdated, or did <laughs> did you run out of copies? Or I think things have changed two years ago. <laughs> There's a lot more stuff that I've learned. Uh, things like around momentum, around like more sales approach, AI. Come on, <laughs> like, yeah. I gotta mention AI there somehow, or else not relevant. Do you have a chapter on AI? I'm not gonna have a whole chapter on AI, but I'm probably gonna have a whole chapter on the future of onboarding. Okay. I think that's uh, something that I don't have on this. Are you um, gonna ask ChatGPT <laughs> about the future of product-led onboarding? I should. That would be funny. That would be super funny. It's like, what do you think? And then, uh, yeah, I think that would be. Yes, I will ask that. That will be the joke, and I got it here from Thomas. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> let, let us know if you need additional advice <laughs> on how to sort this out we're here for you what what more can you say about the book yeah so we're it's probably going to come out uh and they'll quote me in this june 2024 the reason why is that's exactly the three-year anniversary of the book oh nice a little sentimental a little bit there huh yeah so it that or J- july july is my birthday ah. uh, we'll see how it flies out and there'll be more templates on it so i think that's the one thing that i want to do more I've, I built more templates and like um, for workshops that I've run that I'm going to put in there as well as the title, uh, the title might change. I think product led onboarding, um, th- this is still on the fly. We're still working that through with Wes, but I think. Uh, so it's not going to be product led onboarding 2.0. <laughs> Second edition. <laughs> I'm not totally sure yet. I think it could still be product led onboarding. The thing that Wes and I have been shining is like, Product-led onboarding is actually just user onboarding now. Yeah, things yeah. Like, like, for example, product-led growth three years ago, and now it's just 
this is just good business, right? Like this is just a go-to-market approach. Like this is just good SaaS business practice, and you know, things have changed. Like in the good examples, lean startup. Mm. You know, nobody's like, oh, we're gonna do lean startup. Now it's just like this is how you do a startup per se. So I have an idea here. Like, uh, why don't we announce some kind of a raffle here? Okay. That can that where people can come in with suggestions for the name for this book. Okay, that'll be fun. Yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah, that'll be fun. Yeah. So Let's if, do if it. you're listening to this and you made it this far in the episode, you know now roughly at least what the book is about. Let's see if we can help uh, Ramley and Wes come up with a new name. And and <laughs> if you get inspired by a particular name here, what will that? lucky winner get from you Ramli um, see I put you in the hot spot oh shoot <laughs> you did put me on a hot spot I, I don't know if it's a one-on-one call would be enough with me and Wes or it could be like a signed copy of the book signed copy okay that's good enough I was gonna think something like we'll fly you out to Toronto <laughs> to meet with us <laughs> that's okay that's better problem. yeah exactly <laughs> don't go beyond that that's that's definitely a joke but a signed copy would be yeah. cool we'll fly you out to Hawaii in that case that's what I'm doing tonight Thomas I can't uh, talk to you anymore <laughs> me and chat GPT we're coming up with a new name yeah. so exactly cool but um, also do you have a suggestion who we should get on the show? Maybe within this area, someone that has done this really well or something completely different? Yeah, I would say I mentioned the name Andrew Kaplan. I think you should get him. He's been doing a lot of cool stuff around onboarding um, for SaaS. Okay. Um, I think you should also, uh, uh, around education, he ran uh, the, um, the HubSpot Academy, which is cool. I talked to him, uh, Chris Deloche. Chris D O L O C E. I think that's his name. Okay, cool. He he runs now SaaS Academy Advisors.com. So I think he, it was a good chat around how he started HubSpot Academy and like how he turned that into like a revenue uh, engine for HubSpot, which is like, whoa, that's super cool. Very cool. Super fantastic. Thank you for that. And thank you, Remley, for being on the show. Uh, great seeing you again. Uh, last time you participated in our very first SASIS event in the fall of 2021. So you're one of the Hall of Famers here at SASIS and happy that we got to do this podcast together. So uh, with that, see you around, Remley, and thank you for today. Thank you. Take care now. So Daniel, what's your takeaways from this episode? That's a good way to start the year. Uh, I love uh, I love Ramley, and, and by the way, Ramley will be with us at Sassiest uh, in Malmö here in April. So he will. Yes, if you want to talk more on this topic and all other things PLG, I mean we have such a strong PLG roster coming to Malmö, but that's that's for the, the different discussion. I think what I what I liked uh, in this conversation was that it was many things, but one thing I take away with me is that you need to design your onboarding structure or self-service structure based on the needs of your customer. So like the more you know about the customer, the better it is to design the flow for their needs. And I like the example he had with Miro that was very use case driven oh you want to set up a a strategy chart for 2024 where here are the templates so i i like that the user gets to experience an onboarding that's tailored to the use case and not just something generic what about you thomas i like what he said about you know making product onboarding as a computer game to gamify it and see you know is there a natural moment where you should go to the next level perhaps and uh, and there are, I think, also you can find some really interesting KPI to see, you know, the adoption rate of your users as well. So, yeah, gamify it. Yeah, I mean, there's been studies around this, like where there's a, the psychology in it. Like if, if it's too easy, mm. then people don't want to do it. If it's too difficult, it's also like people don't want to do it. You discourage them. It's like you just have to find this magical element in between where it's like difficult enough, but still they're able to do it. And then there's like this excitement about going on to the next, trying to invite a friend or whatever it is. And I think it's going to be really exciting to follow the development when it comes to, you know, more automated uh, functionality and understanding the, the user's needs and, and sort of both with, you know, yeah, predictable algorithm or comparison with, with peers or or also the AI technology. So it's going to be interesting to see how product onboarding 
Pratlet onboarding will will evolve. You know what I would love to hear from from you guys. Let's kickstart the year again to try to to have this much more of a two way interaction and not just you know uh, me and Thomas chatting here. If you have any grand ideas, if you are so brave that you feel that you can predict the vision or you have an idea of where product led onboarding is going to be in the future, how you think the best way going forward will be to onboard products. Let us know. Yeah. We would love to hear because it's a big topic that everybody's discussing here in RN. Let us know if you have some grand vision that you want to share with us. Yeah, and also if you have a question or if there is some aspect of this that you think Ramly should talk about when he comes to, to Malmo in April, let us know as well. So we can maybe bake that into uh, to his presentation. I like it. I like it. Yeah. All right. So t- Thomas, uh, lots of exciting things uh, ahead of us. And should we give people a little bit of a teaser what's actually happening during the CEO kick of January 25th? Absolutely. So it's a full day exercise where we get to spend time together in many different ways. So it's about, you know, all the CEOs in the CEO network, they are divided into smaller cohorts based on, you know, the phase that they are in. They should not be competitors in the group. And, you know, we, we try to, to match them in a good way. And this is the time to get to know each other a little bit more, um, start building that trust that will you will work with throughout all the year and, and also meet the full network. So you all the CEOs in the network, 100 plus CEOs joining, uh, you get the chance to meet them and also discuss other things a little bit cross group as well. We will bring in some really good experts. Yep. Uh, we have some topics that has been requested. Of course, AI is a hot potato, yep. but also pricing is... Um, reoccurring not revenue but topic yeah exactly pricing is always a big one and then of course we have the last piece that has been demanded for throughout the year it's organizational efficiencies yeah absolutely the the ceos and the leaders they always wonder like you know how do we get to the next level without just throwing people at the problems and opportunities so those are some of the big topics we will discuss there yeah and then of course we're going to have a dinner and socialize and you know get get good time to get to know each other so really looking forward to that exercise we will be in copenhagen and uh yeah it's gonna be great fun definitely Definitely. What a way to start this. What a way to start the year. We're excited to hang out with you guys for the rest of the year here. Again, if you like this, why don't you hit that five-star button wherever you're listening. If you can find it. If you can find it, exactly. And then uh, we'd love to hear from you if you have, again, additional ideas for what we need to do for during this year to add additional value to, to all of us and all of you. Let us know. And I think I can promise that we have some surprises for you in the new year. Maybe some some new additions or some new opportunities to learn even more and network even more. I'm not saying more about it, but uh, expect it. All we can say is that we're listening. We're listening to what you're saying. I was about to say we're listening and we're watching, but I guess we're watching also to some extent. But we're we try to be in tune and, and do what you guys need us to do. Yeah. One thing you can be sure of, Sassy, is it's coming. So thank you for listening and see you around.